everybody. Welcome to episode five of I Didn't Sign Up For This, the podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to um, go over again some of the site business, such as where you can find us and um, our Facebook group and stuff like that. I just wanted to remind you, we are found everywhere. Um, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, all those places. If you just search for I didn't sign up for that, it will show up. If you go to Facebook, you will find the Facebook page for the podcast at facebook.com slash IDSUFT podcast. From there, you can also find I have started a group for the podcast for, you know, where people can go and talk and share ideas and just talk about the podcast and stuff. And there is a button on the podcast page where you can click on that and it'll take you to the group. And you it is a closed group, so you will have to um, apply or whatever, ask for membership or I don't remember what it's called we'll just let you come on in and you can join us uh, join the conversation start a conversation just be part of I didn't sign up for this I'd love to have you there this week we had an um, an epic yet very familiar example of I didn't sign up for this that I will share at the end I was kind of like unsure about what to talk about this week because you know i am I going to continue just to talk about Henry or should we start covering some different things or you know there's a lot more I can talk about than just Henry or even just special needs um but the consensus or the you know most people said that I should talk about the van story which I will do and since it's more of an I didn't sign up for this it's going to be at the end but I was I was excited about that, not only because I already had, now I already had an example of I didn't sign up for this, so I didn't have to search my archives for something, but it also started me thinking about um, a more far-reaching topic sort of umbrella that this could fall under. And I started thinking about some of the judgment that came with the purchase of our van, if you can believe that, your choice of a purchase of a vehicle coming with judgment from people, and um, extending out from there, the misunderstandings and the possible judgment that comes with a lot of decisions that special needs parents make, not only about what they buy, but just kind of the choices they make in general. I'm going to assume that most of you here are you're listening either because you have a child or a loved one with some sort of disability or because you're interested in learning. I'm going to assume you're not here because you're completely ignorant or you think the whole topic is bullshit. Um, Believe me, (laughs) there are people out there who are like that. Um, Someday in the future, I'll do an episode like about that. Um, These people who are, for some unknown reason, just angry that our loved ones even exist and consider them a drain on society with no quality of life and that they all should be eliminated from the population. These are really great, wonderful, caring people with whom I would, 
I'd really like to meet them and I'd like to punch them in the back of the neck and then remove their larynx with my bare hands. Again, I digress. I do that a lot. Okay, first, first I'm going to tell you about when we bought our van. At the time, we had a normal minivan, um, just three rows of seats. I think it was a Chrysler Town and Country, if I'm remembering correctly. It wasn't optimal, but we could bull our way through almost any trip. Um, But as the three boys especially grew, got bigger and older, it really became clear that it it wasn't going to work for much longer. You see, um, no matter what, with the four kids, there was my daughter in the front because she was the biggest. In the second row, there were two captain's chairs and eldest boy was in one and the youngest boy was in the other and he was still in his baby seat, the car carrier seat. And then Henry had the third row and sometimes it was okay and often it was not. We started with Henry behind the youngest boy, but that didn't work because Henry would throw things over the seat and they would land on a defenseless baby. Um, Took one bonk in the face with a book for me to realize that that was a terrible decision. So I moved Henry behind eldest boy and that ruined eldest boy's ability to have a decent car ride ever. Um, Henry would throw things at him and often hit him. He figured out how somehow how to wrap his legs around the seatbelt that came down behind the back of the seat and then pull. And then he would choke eldest boy and make him all tight. And so every car ride became just a race to get it done before Henry injured someone or eldest boy in um, his Asperger syndrome reactions would just completely lose his shit and start screaming about the unfairness of everything, which, you know, he wasn't wrong. So we decided we needed to look into a different option, Um, something with four rows. Yikes. Ew. I thought all that was available were those big vans, the great big vans that immediately begin to rust around the wheel wells and they end up looking either like you're a pedophile or you're Cheech and Chong. Plus they have, they have the gas mileage of a gnat on crystal meth. I've always hated those. Always. I just, they, I hate them, but you know, there wasn't much of an option. My husband, however, had heard about the Sprinter vans. He knew about them. They had been made by Dodge, but um, when we were looking at them, they had been bought by Mercedes. And so now they were making them. So they had these great Mercedes engines that last forever. They were diesel, which was great, and they got better gas mileage, and they were somewhat nicer than I was thinking of. I mean, they're not luxury vehicles by any stretch of the imagination, but it is more than just, you know, a metal box with cheap seats bolted in. You know, it's it's a little better than that. At that time, Nissan had also just introduced their vans in this class with a fourth row. So we looked at those as well. But, you know, they were inexpensive, more inexpensive. No, they were not inexpensive. They were more inexpensive than the Mercedes, but they looked stupid. And, you know, they didn't even list the gas mileage, which told me they were hiding it. The design from the shape to the interior, it all looked like, you know, when your kindergartner draws a picture of a car and it just kind of looks like different 
squares and rectangles put together. It looked like that. After a lot of reading and testing and driving, we ended up deciding on the Sprinter. Now, the Sprinter came, and I think still comes, in two different lengths and two different heights. And we wanted the smaller of both options. But luck has it, there weren't any of those anywhere in the United States. And I mean, we could have gotten it, we could have ordered it, but it would have taken months for it to arrive. And we didn't want to wait that long. And no, let me take that back. There were the smaller of both options, but they were all white. And I did not want a white van. The only thing worse than having to drive a big, monstrous vehicle is having to drive a white one. So the only options available to us in the entire country were there was a black one that was both extra long and extra tall. There were some silver ones. Again, not a big fan of silver. Um, they had the diff they had different length and height configurations, but not the two together that we wanted. And then there was a charcoal gray one that was shorter, but tall. And it's not what I wanted, especially because, you know, I didn't really want tall because you can't, <laughs> this, is, this is so first world, but with the tall ones, you can't fit through all the drive throughs <laughs> I know, I know. Shut up, Christy. But, um... It, you know, it was a concern with with our family. If we have to eat on the go, I can't go in anywhere because I can't really take Henry. And um, so drive through is very often the, what we have to do. So, you know, it's not what I wanted. But since all the non-white options required months of waiting, this was the best choice. So they sent for this one. Now, I admit, now I'm going to put a picture in, in the Facebook page, on the Facebook page, prepositions. I'm going to put a picture on the Facebook page so you can see what it looks like. I mean, yes, I know you can look it up yourself, but I'll throw it up there so you can get an idea of what it looks like. It is over nine feet tall, but we can fit through the McDonald's drive through that says that they are only nine feet tall. So one of them's wrong. I am pleased. One of the things I'm most pleased with is that we ended up getting the, the taller version because when we t we've taken this van on two cross-country trips, once we drove f to f um, California, to Los Angeles in it, and once we drove to Florida, both times the the option of having this tall roof made it so that if there was a big issue, I could get up and walk to the back of the van and we didn't have to stop and pull over. You know, yeah, not not safety first, not that, but, um, you know, when you're trying to get somewhere and, you know, someone in your car is freaking out because they lost their pacifier for the 47th time, you just hop up and get their pacifier and go back to your seat, put your seatbelt back on. Everything's fine. I couldn't have done that if we didn't have the upper roof. So I'm happy about that. Also, there's so much headroom. I never hit my head and you can lift your arms all the way to the ceiling and not touch anything. So that's cool. So in this vehicle, in the Sprinter, 
Um, I'm able to have me and my husband in the front. If all of us are traveling together, me and my husband in the front. And when we got it, we would have in the second row, it would be youngest boy and daughter or youngest boy and eldest boy. And then the third row would be for one person, either, you know, when we took long trips, they would switch off. So like for this leg of the trip, my daughter got the third row. For this leg of the trip, my eldest son got the third row, that kind of thing. And then we had Henry in the back in the fourth row. And y'all, it worked. Henry would, and he does still throw things from back there, but it's not as often. And it doesn't bother them as much when it's two rows away. He can't any in any way, shape or form, get a hold of their seatbelt and pull it and hurt them. He can't touch them with his arms and legs. And see, what Henry can do is if you're sitting next to him, even if you're sitting, okay, sitting, say, imagine, imagine with me, you're sitting in a bench seat in a car, and there are three seats, and say Henry is in one, and then two seats over against the window is you. Henry can kick up his leg to a, like, pointing his toe at the ceiling, and then bring it down at a 90 degree angle and he'll strike you. He can even do that behind him, not just a 90 degree angle. He could do about 145 degrees. So if you are within his range, even if with a normal person, they couldn't touch you, Henry can touch you. And it gets irritating. So from the fourth row, Henry can throw his pacifier and he can hit me dead in the back of the head while I'm driving. You know, that's how well this kid can throw, but it's way better. He's calmer back there. And, um, you know, while driving with him can still be an exercise in massive patience because he's constantly demanding different music or a book after he's thrown it or his pacifier and strap after he's thrown it. But compared to how it was in the Chrysler, it's way better. In other words, in the most important way possible, it works for our family. That was Henry. What I didn't expect when we bought this van was the level of judgment we'd receive. You know, most of the reactions are along the lines of, wow, that's big, or that van is huge. You know, that kind of thing, which, you know, can get tiresome, but it's expected because the vehicle is different, even though I usually just, I just want to go, it's a car. Yes, it's bigger than you're used to. It's not a dinosaur. It's still a car. Calm down. But it's okay. What did surprise me was the number of people who thought it was okay to ask how many kids do you have? Or asking if it's a work van, or am I making deliveries, or questioning the gas mileage in a thinly veiled dig at our poor environmental lifestyle, or the vandalism. Yes, that's correct. For some reason, people in our neighborhood, I think they were teenagers who went to the same high school as our daughter, I think. Um, they thought it was appropriate to write shit on our van with the stuff that you write, like going to state, you know, on your vehicle, that white stuff that comes off. 
Honestly, it's been so long that I'd almost forgotten about it, but sweet Lexi out there. Hi, Lexi. She reminded me of just how horrified she been when it happened. They wrote something about our big ass van and when I just wiped it off and ignored it, a couple of days later, it was back. So for some reason, these people were so offended by the size of our van that they had to write about it on the van. You know, I realized then that every single choice we made was being watched and judged by people who had no freaking idea why we had made that choice. And of course, that made me anxious and embarrassed about it. So I found myself explaining our life to strangers in parking lots in an attempt to somehow assuage my guilt over having to have a vehicle that, I don't know, grabbed their attention and made them have to question things, which is stupid. It's, it's just dumb. First of all, it's none of your damn business why I'm driving what I'm driving. If I choose this vehicle and it's just for me, that's my business. I shouldn't have to explain it to you. And I shouldn't have to explain it and come up with what is a good explanation just so you'll leave me alone. Second, if you're curious and you don't know anything about it, we have these newfangled handheld knowledge centers that if you type in anything, it will tell you everything you've ever wanted to know about it. You actually don't have to stop a person and quiz them about their intentions or whether they looked into every other option or want them to produce your disabled son to prove to them you're telling the truth. So look it up. But just for you all, I'll tell you that my Sprinter, since I mostly drive around town dropping off and picking up kids and running to the store, errands and stuff like that, I usually get 20 to 21 miles per gallon. It's not huge, but considering the size of the vehicle and what comparable vehicles in its class get, it's monstrous. And when we took it to both California and Florida, my husband was driving and he was getting nearly 30 miles to the gallon. So, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Another incident we had was in a parking lot of Joanne Fabrics, of all places. There was a lady in her car who was either looking for a parking spot or something, but she was kind of driving like she didn't know what she wanted or, you know, what she was going to do. So we pulled around and found our spot. You know, we didn't cut her off. We didn't we barely even interacted with her. You know, we just got around her and got her spot. And for some reason, that pissed her way off. So after I went in the store, she pulled in nose to nose with the van. And she started berating my husband for having such a big, stupid van. She actually said, with no knowledge of our family, no wonder you're in the short bus. Which, mm, mm, you guys, thank God I had already gone in the store or I would have dragged her. Oh, boy. This, this is the kind of response that just the existence of our van elicits. It, it, it pisses people off for some reason that it even exists. Yes, it's big. Yes, it's very tall, and I'm pretty sure it's not easy to see around, and I'm sorry for that. But I drive it well, and I can back that thing up like a champion. I can parallel park it, and I'm pretty, pretty 
darn conscientious of others as I drive. But it boils down to this fact. Our family is different. We needed a different vehicle to make life work for us. We found that vehicle and none of it is anybody's business. Which is the case, I think, for the vast majority of families dealing with special needs. We have to figure out situations that would never occur to typical families. And then we have to navigate them to the best of our abilities. Emotionally, um, time-wise, financially, in all these ways. We have to find products and businesses and schools and cars and clothes and everything that can meet needs that we never even knew were a thing. We have to navigate stuff that for many families can just be dealt with by saying no. You want examples? Sure. I'll use Henry. There are many. My God. We have to figure out diapers for a person who is too big for huggies. And since those diapers, which you buy at a medical supply store or online in a huge box delivered every month, they're much more expensive. One has to budget for that. We did not expect that when Henry was born. You know, I I was sure he was going to be potty trained at some point. I actually used to joke when he was like five that he'll get trained when he's ready. It's not like he'll go to high school in diapers. Foolish. I probably set myself up for that one. On my blog, I've had people comment when I've talked about the fact that I've been dealing with other people's feces now for over 21 years with no breaks they have the gall to try to tell me how to potty train him, which actually would probably really piss me off if it wasn't so damn funny. It's, it's kind of hysterical to me when strangers try to tell me how I just have to do it when it comes to stuff like this. Oh, oh really, Sharon? I just have to do it? Okay, I'll send you the bill for all the underpants and our carpeting and the steam cleaning of every surface in the house for every month as Henry continues to poop wherever and whenever he damn well pleases. Oh, she'll say, he'll get it. He won't want that feeling. And to that, all I can say is... <laughs> doesn't care <laughs> at all. <laughs> Henry will wear the same diaper all day if I let him until it starts to crumble and fall apart, leaving a trail of shit covered gel in its wake. You know how I know this? Because it's happened more than once. So yes, if a child with special needs is still in diapers, shut your damn mouth. This is what this family has to do to function. Because probably that child won't give a ripe fig if you take him to the potty every 20 minutes. It won't teach them a thing. It'll only ruin the parent's life. In our family, I think of the things that we have to have because of our differences, like um, pacifiers and straps. I have tried so many times to get him to give those up. And it ain't going to happen at least not yet. He needs them. He needs the oral motor stimulation in his mouth 
and the strap removed from the pacifier but in his hand he uses to fidget with. He strokes his cheeks, he taps on the table, he throws it, he passes it from hand to hand. It's just something sensory he does that gives him the input that he craves. But I've had people look like, give me the side eye on this child's pacifier and tell me I'm horrible for giving it to him. And I, you better take that away now. Just take it away. You know, I've, I've had people tell me I'm a bad parent for not taking them away. Again, Karen, none of your business. You don't know my son. You don't understand his issues. And you would probably pull your skin off if you had to parent him. So step off. Boy, this gets me riled up, do you think? Then, of course, there's the tablet issue. We, this week, hit the over 50 mark of the number of Amazon Fire 7-inch tablets that we have bought and he's broken. And every time I mention it, the incredulous response I get could knock me over. What? They say. Don't you have a case? Oh, really? A case? What's that? Of course we have a case. I've tried every highly rated case on the market. Yes, I've tried tempered glass screen protectors. Henry, in every scientific test, beats them. But to be without a tablet for him is excruciating. It, it's a lifeline for him. Look at it. This, it is the only thing he can control. He can make it do what he wants. It can fit his mood. It can sing to him. It can dance for him. It can read books to him. If he wants to watch the same 30 seconds of some show over and over for half an hour, he can. It introduces new ideas and animals and words and songs and types of people to him. And again, it is something in his environment that he can control, which is huge. He can't get people to understand him when he talks most of the time. He can't feed himself. If he's hungry, he can't feed himself. He can't dress himself. He can't get what he wants when he wants it. But the tablet, he can do everything. That is hugely empowering for a person. Imagine that. Imagine being someone who has no control over anything. Anything you want, someone else has to give it to you. I think we forget how important it is for humans to be able to have some control over their lives, even if it's something small. That tablet is something he can always control. To be without it leaves him listless and, and quiet and more destructive. How about books? People have asked me. Literally. All I can do is close my eyes and take a deep centering breath and say, Oh, yes, Henry loves books. Henry lives for books. He can't read, but he'd better have books. He talks about the books he has. He talks about the books he wants. He can pull up pictures of books he would like to have right fucking now on his tablet and show them to me. If it's present time, he'd better get a book and it better be the book he wants. So yes, we give him books. Lots of books. 
books that get looked at and loved and thrown and pages torn out and strewn about the house and picked back up and put away and pulled back out and thrown and looked at and loved and thrown until they are basically a binding holding a couple of sheets of paper together. Then they're thrown out. And even when the cover is gone, he knows which book is which. Zebra book, tiger book, monkey book, dog book, whatever book. He knows and they are important to him. But, and let me say this again, for the people in the back who continue to doubt and judge our continual rebuying of tablets, he can't control the books. They will always say and show what they say and show. If his mood changes or he thinks of something else he wants to hear or see, he can't make that book do that. He can make the tablet do it every time. In fact, <laughs> in fact, unless I remember to turn the parental controls on, on each new tablet, he can go to Amazon and buy every video he's ever wanted to see at $1.99 each. And thank God for automatic email notifications is all I have to say about that. So this is something that's important to him and it's important to our family. It helps our family function better, whether outsiders understand it or not, and whether people agree with screen time for children or not, or whether some busybody online or in real life wants to tell us what we're doing wrong or judge us or not. It works for our family, period. These are only a couple examples in our family. And since every child with special needs is different and every family is different and every situation is different, just imagine how many different examples there are of people using, doing, living different ways in their family because it works for them that you don't understand there might be. Well, that... Um, <laughs> That was a really weird sentence. Did that make sense at all? Um, in other words, I guess, before you jump to conclusions or assume something about someone or judge their choices for their family, might I suggest that you don't, especially if it's a family with special needs, because every single one I know is working their ass off to do their very best with an ever-changing, completely foreign set of variables in situations that at best can be totally fucked up. We don't always have the luxury of making the most ecological choices or the most inspired choices or enlightened choices or, you know, even the most favorable choices. We often have to just do what's easiest or what will get us to tomorrow with all our limbs intact. Now, all of that said, I know that it can be almost impossible to be able to see other people and their choices in their lives from their point of view instead of your own because we are human and we know what we know we don't always have the ability to stop and try to look at it from their point of view so you know grace is ever flowing <laughs> we understand that you don't understand and we're happy to explain
We're happy to educate or enlighten or whatever. But do understand that if something seems weird, well, I mean, I'm not talking about the truly weird, like I better call the police weird. I'm talking about why did that, there's only four kids in that family. Why do they need a 12 seat vehicle? Well, you don't understand what's going on in that vehicle. And if I could have videotaped the story I'm going to share with you in just a moment, you would understand. And now it is time for I Didn't Sign Up For This. And this is a story that happened this week. Now, for all of you, I will share the quote-unquote van story. And if I had a music drop in right here, it would go dun dun dun. So our sprinter van had to go into the shop on Monday. And I scheduled it for Monday because everyone had off school, including my husband, so he could take it down and I wouldn't have to worry about rushing to get it back to pick people up from school. The sliding door was broken. Um, It would open, but um, the latch wouldn't unlatch it to close it so you would have to reach down into the thing and and find with your finger the little um the little kind of c hook that held it there and push that and then close it all the while being careful not to completely crush your finger so that was broken the headlight was out um don't you, you know just don't even the electrical system on this van can kiss my white butt as far as I'm concerned <laughs> the number of bulbs that have I've had to replace in this van is easily easily in the mid double digits tail lights blinkers headlights bright lights fog lights Brake light, there is always a light, a bulb going out on this van. So that gets me all wired up and frantic. And there was a recall on the passenger airbag. So we took it in on Monday. Um, Lights up. It's Tuesday. It's time to go to school. We had a loaner, but the loaner only had two rows. It was a crossover vehicle. So instead of risking that, I decided to use... Um, eldest boy's van which is it's a used van but it's new to him so we decided to use that there's two rows there's three rows the third row was not up it was down but there were captain's chairs in the second row so I thought you know we haven't tried this in a while maybe we can just get to school and then maybe maybe Henry will be okay I don't know and this is the part where I realize what an idiot I am So we made it to the first stop sign, which is about two blocks from our house, before Henry started attacking youngest boy. There were like synchronized arm swings into the youngest's airspace, and he actually made contact twice. Youngest yells. So I tell Henry to stop and have nice arms and legs. No hitting. I made it one more block, before Henry, remember how I talked about heel strikes before? How Henry can, you know, uh, straight up in the air and then down like 90 to 145 degrees? Okay, he heel strikes youngest's left leg 
causing youngest to lose his shit and start punching Henry. Now I yell at Henry to knock it off and be good. Henry started yelling back at me. I can't remember what he said, but I think he was cussing about the youngest's existence. I'm not sure. So after we make the first turn off of our street and start toward the second turn, Henry let loose with all the fury of an army of God. It was like a UFC fighter and a WWE wrestler and a windmill had a freaking baby and it started beating the crap out of my youngest. Both arms and hands, both legs and feet were windmilling and pummeling the shit out of my poor boy. So youngest is screaming and crying and trying to fight back while protecting himself and he can't. Eldest is in the front seat trying to stop Henry's limbs from hitting, but he can't. So I floored it to get to the next right that I can take and whip around to park. I race to the back. I open up the back and I'm trying to pull out the stuff that's in there and get the third seat up. And um, there's an insane wind and it's trying to blow stuff out of my hands. And everything in the back is like going to fly away. And I'm yelling at Henry, stop it. My God, stop it. And I'm telling the youngest to get out of the seat and out of Henry's reach. And that one is sobbing. He is defeated and in pain and just sobbing. So I get the seat up and I go up and get in Henry's, right in Henry's face to tell him. And he hit me and I lost it. Again, you guys, I screamed at him, screamed at him that he's a very bad boy for hurting his brother. And I spanked him on his bottom. Very bad, very mean, made your brother cry. Henry is yelling back at me. I think he was saying that it was the youngest's fault, but I'm not sure, but it wasn't. It never, ever is. So I'm trying to soothe and comfort my youngest and tell him how sorry I am that Henry did this to him. It wasn't fair and it wasn't right and I'm so sorry. Now Henry is upset and he devolves into what I call his scream crying. This is when he starts crying, but he's also screaming about something else. And the decibel level is just below a quartet of bagpipes playing ACDCs. It's a long way to the top right next to you. I got the youngest settled in the third row seat behind Henry. So Henry forgot about him. Also, Henry was too busy scream crying for the next 15 minutes. Then I'm crying and I'm apologizing to the eldest and the youngest for having them have to start their day like this. And I feel horrible for screaming at Henry and for spanking him. So that was that was that. But as I dropped my eldest off and I held headed toward the youngest school, I started to think about this whole issue how most people would think that we should be able to do things like everyone else in a car like everyone else, making runs like everyone else. But we can't. The way Henry is wired makes it so we can't. 
He can't sit by someone else, not because he's bad or evil. He just can't. And while these scenes and these anecdotes I share are horrible and they drain me and they exhaust me and I have to vent about them just to stay sane, they just are. They aren't bad. They aren't good. They just are. This is our reality. This is our life. And just like everyone else in the world, we have to figure out how to best live it within the confines we are given in order for all the people in that life to have their best chance. Wow, I got myself again. <laughs> and now that um, saying, it's not bad, it's not good, it's just is, has put the witch's song from Into the Woods into my head. I'm not bad. I'm not good. I'm just nice. <laughs> I will leave you with something a little happier. Um, a tiny clip of Henry singing Go Tell with the Martins. Have a great week. Go, Oh, Henry. 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 Oh,